Did she kill my father? It's... It's possible. Drop it. Duncan and Bo come correct. Uh, hey everyone, welcome to Duncan and Bo come correct. This time around, uh, Duncan and Bo get terrified. This is the penultimate episode, as we like to point out, as we near a conclusion. Episodes uh, 7 and 8 of The Terror In For You. <laughs> I'm just going to wait you out. I've got a feeling this is going to be a silly episode, Bo. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think you're right, because there's some silly shit uh, that happens in these episodes. Um, yeah, so... Uh, obviously this time around, what we do on the show is we talk about, uh, TV shows, movies and whatnot. Uh, we are talking about the terror infamy, the second season of the AMC horror series, uh, which, uh, uh, we enjoyed quite a bit in season one. This time around, it is, uh, more J horror, horror oriented. And, mm. uh, that tickles both of our fancies, um, yeah, and, and other places too, not just our fancies. No behave. <laughs> And uh, so before we get into this pair of episodes, Duncan, uh, mm-hmm. what uh, we, we talk about what we've been watching, good and bad. Last episode, you were astonishingly ready to go with a pair of movies. <laughs> so you want to know if I'm astonishingly ready again? Yeah, I, I do want to know if you're astonishingly ready again. Yes, I'm actually surprised. surprised. Oh, well. <laughs> Wonders will um, never cease. All right. <laughs> Although I'm going to be probably aiming more towards the good and the great rather than the good and the bad. Okay. I've not seen anything that I disliked. Um, so we'll kick off with the the good, which would be um, it's a documentary on Netflix just now all about the Bikram yoga scandal. Um, which I highly recommend. I listened to a podcast on it ages ago. I was unfamiliar with the the scandal. Um, But this is really, really interesting because this, in a lot of respects, preempts the kind of Me Too movement by a good bit, um, where all this information was coming up um, and the way it was being treated by not only the individual himself, but I would also say in part some parts of the media um, it's kind of like a, a, a full me too uh, and it's, it's interesting looking at it through the lens now because I imagine had the events that had been reported been reported like in the last two years for example um, I think a lot more would have happened but this dude just got to molest a lot of women and then take his operation back to India and is just living the life of Riley over there Multi, multi, multi millionaire, um, transferred all his stuff over to other family members, so that can't be taken from him. And the American government is powerless. And what it shows you is evil will always win, Bo. That's literally the motto of this documentary is don't try and seek justice because evil will always, there's always a loophole for evil. I think that's the, the name of my upcoming book. There's yeah. always a loophole for evil. Um, the system is rigged. It's always been rigged and it will continue to be rigged in the favour of dickheads. Um, but it's, it's worth checking out, especially if you're not familiar with the kind of nuances of the scandal. If all you know is the specifics involving his, you know, um, 
the stories that came out about um, uh, sexual molesting women, that is part of the story. There's a, a far more interesting aspect and less harrowing aspect about how much this guy just lied <laughs> who he'd met um, how important he was, he was like the last yogi on the planet and he'd come up with this original thing Nixon had granted him citizenship which he'd been saying for the best part of like 30 years and no one had questioned it and eventually they approached the kind of Nixon Foundation and like we have no record of this guy at all <laughs> Bill to the shit as Bo Ransdell would say mm-hmm. um so yeah, very very interesting. Have you checked out this documentary? Are you aware of the story? I I am aware of the story, uh, but I have not uh, I've not seen the documentary yet. Although you know, I was definitely intrigued. Mm-hmm. It's worth checking out. For I know that we have some people out there that do enjoy good documentaries. Breezy, it's about an hour and twenty minutes. You'll fly right through it. Um, and it's you know it's not one of these ones where it's like we'll try and gauge both sides of the story because both sides of the story indicate that this man is a fucking deviant a deviant that deserves bad things to happen to him so um, so that was on the good well, let me talk about the great the, oh, the awesome so last night I got a chance to go out and check out a little movie called Motherless Brooklyn um with the new movie by Edward Norton yeah yeah yeah. And um, this is a movie that he's been kind of championing. Um, he, I believe, he bought the rights to the book and then had it kind of adapted by the original writer and himself for the big screen. It's a kind of 1950s noir sort of kind of mystery tale, uh, which I enjoy immensely. And it's fucking great. Really, 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 really good. Um, not the most original movie you've seen. In fact, about three of the big plot point twists I got incredibly early in the movie. Just like, was like, oh, well, that'll be that. And yeah, that means probably that. Which probably means this. And by the end of the movie, I was like, yep, yep, and yep. If you watch a lot of that cinema, you read a lot of those books, you will see where it's going. But um, Norton himself, powerhouse performance... Um, Bruce Willis is actually really good in it, even though he's got a kind of smaller role. But you have uh, the cast of uh, Alec Baldwin playing the kind of the, the kind of character in this one. Um, you have Duncan and Bo come correct fan favorite who did not die when a Terminator was sent back in time to kill his mother, Fisher Stevens. Um, oh well, <laughs> makes an appearance. Um, sadly, not with his. Uh, Oh, come on, Journey 5 um, accent. He's playing more a kind of gangster sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's really fucking good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. It's, it's a movie where you just you are absorbed with the atmosphere, the background, the characters, and then the mystery just keeps you going through. Even like I say, even though I kind of guessed where things were going. Um, but the cast, like I say, is great. Willem Dafoe's in it, um, playing <laughs> suitably eccentric Willem Dafoe-esque character. Um, so yeah, high recommend for me. If you like a bit of noir, if you like a bit of kind of period setting, the PI mystery, then you will, in fact, enjoy a little movie called um, Motherless Brooklyn. Very, very, very good. High recommend from this guy. You'd oh. love it, Bo, actually. I think you'd, you'd really get a, a kick out of it. I better. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, what, what I also like about it is that uh, Norton, I don't know if it's in the original book, but Norton has like a form of Tourette's in it, which 
like adds a bit of comical levity, but also in some of the more kind of sentimental and sad moments, there's a, a kind of tragedy about it as well that he can't control this uh, kind of tick that he has. It's um, It works. He's really good in it. He's really, really, really good in it. And as a directorial output, um, it's surprisingly strong. So, yeah. All right. Uh, I, on the other hand, um, am going in the Wayback Machine. Uh, for my good. Oh, the way way back. Uh, I, I, well, let's do the bad first. And and this is not really terrible. It, it's just not great. Um, mm-hmm. Is a movie that is, I believe, a Shutter exclusive called Nicotronic. Yeah, I've seen the poster. I don't think it's available in the UK yet. It is very silly and it's very campy and it knows that. Mm-hmm. And it's a very fun, low budget kind of affair the whole idea is that there's uh demons what can use the internet to possess people and the queen demon as played by monica bellucci which is never a bad thing um Mm -hmm. is has developed this app that everyone's got loaded on their phone and at a certain point they're going to flip a switch and all these people who are using this app are going to become possessed and there are uh these uh necro warriors that are sort of, you know, the Jedi, if you will, of fighting demons that uh, can can prevent this from happening. And, of course, the main character doesn't realize that he's one of these people and then gets sucked into this world where suddenly he has to, you know, save humanity. And, mm. you know, it's it, like it's not reinventing the wheel but it was a fun kind of, like I said, it's, it's sort of low budget, but it's got a good sense of humor and it's a fun little low budget film. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, it's one of those movies that I feel <laughs> like I'm I'm damning with faint praise because it's not fantastic. You know, like this mm-hmm. this is not, there are very few people, Duncan, who are ever going to come to you and say, you know what my favorite movie is? Necrotronic. <laughs> but I would also dare you to find that many people who were like who, who would be like, you know what sucks? Necrotronic. It's a really pleasant mm-hmm. view. Uh and sometimes that's all I want, you know? I just want to kick yeah, back yeah, in a chair yeah, and have a good time. And right, uh, so what's the good thing? The, all right, well, this is a slight sneak preview because we have Ooh. a round table coming up. Oh, we do, we do, we do. And uh, I just got to say, I, I had to single this out because this is one of those where I was like, you know, the first time I watched this, I wasn't that crazy about it. And the second time I watched it, I was a little warmer on it, but still not uh, over the moon. And then I had a viewing experience where it's like, fuck, this movie's good. Uh, and it's 12 Monkeys. Oh, 12 Monkeys is legit great. It's, it's a great, great movie. It really is, and I'd never really given it its proper due, and it was one of those things that that hit me just right at the time I was watching it again. And I went in for it hook, line, and sinker, and I had the best time with that movie. Uh, I think, <laughs> awesome, I, man. Yeah, it, it was a real delight. I was really pleased. To, to really just to have that kind, of, that kind of experience where you're just like, holy shit, that was one of the most enjoyable, like, viewing experiences I've had in some time where I felt, I felt kind of challenged by it still because it's Gilliam and Gilliam is always kind of saying something and, uh, yeah. and 12 Monkeys is certainly no different. 
But n- not only that, it's just like Brad Pitt's performance is so genuinely great in that it's movie. A, it's a weird one. I think his performance in that movie is always overlooked, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because he was still in that awkward phase as an actor where people didn't really know if he was the heartthrob or he was the you know the kind of intense actor and he was doing like like he was doing tons of different roles and when you see his performance there and then you see his performance in my opinion this year and maybe two of my favorite performances this year have been by him in two completely different movies um, and Ad Astor and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood you can see the thrill he's 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 a really interesting actor he's just taken some maybe less than perfect roles in the past but he's he's brilliant as the kind of incredibly over-the-top, insane, goofy, crazy, just downright mad, um, uh, you know, uh, character at the hands of Gillingham. It's a, it's a weird bit of casting for Gillingham, if I'm honest, at that time period. And In hindsight, it's only got better and better, in my opinion. The, the weird thing about this is I, I was chatting to Doug uh, for the the Tremors uh, show. So he was on doing Tremors 3. And we were, we were chatting about that movie. And at the end, obviously, I'd mentioned like an upcoming appearance. We're going to be doing Gillingham on Podcast Under the Stairs. And he made a point which I think is really, is really interesting. I think it will be true. I think his opinion is that this, all the other roundtables have been, for the most part, fairly harmonious. He predicts dissension um on certain movies quite strongly and i think he's probably right because i think gillingham is a phenomenal director but some of these movies he's made i just don't like um and other movies i think are like damn near like masterpieces so and uh yeah it'll be interesting to see where we all fall i don't think our top three um i think it may contain one movie uniformly in our top three for all three of us but I think the other two movies will be completely different so I'm very much looking forward to the conversation he is the he is the perfect director to pick for a conversation because he is so wholly unique in his voice and has been all you know always emulated but never outdone so um and we get to talk about Brazil and that's a movie I wanted to talk about in a podcast forever <laughs> so can't fucking wait to talk about Brazil. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's kind of the the beautiful thing I think about uh, Gilliam as a director. Um, again, not to get too deep into it because we're going to have a whole show about this. But um, I think you're right. I think I think he is one of those dudes who makes the movie that he wants to see as best he is able to, given you know finances and like his imagination is always going to surpass what he can actually get away with. And and that's one of the interesting things about Gilliam is that like technology hasn't caught up to him yet. Um, yeah, <laughs> and, that's, a good, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I I think that he is he he's one of those dudes that you know leaves it on the field in terms of making a movie, and like none of his movies ever feel like they're not a a an extension of his will to have these crazy things on screen, you know, that you can see the, the blood and sweat and tears that went into him fighting to get this stuff in front of you because no right thinking studio would ever agree to it. 
Yeah. And and but the result is art, you know. Like he is one of the few guys that every now and again manages to make his way into the mainstream with a, a genuine piece of art, mm-hmm. and then kind of dips back out and makes his weird little movies for a while. And about every twenty years, it like one <laughs> will hit the mainstream and everyone kind of loves it, and then he goes yeah. off and does his thing again. So uh, he's about due. I'm I'm oh, I want that to happen again. Um. So, uh, with that said, though, uh, it is time then, Duncan, to get into a pair of episodes tonight that, uh, speaking of, uh, of, of hot debate, <laughs> I don't know if people are going to get a hot debate. I think what they're going to get is me and you challenging the show, um, in a way which feels, I think, very fair that we're challenging the show, considering we are we are rolling in into the final four here, and we have come off two episodes, which I mean, the last one we recorded, so episodes, what would that have been? That would have been five. Met fairly much with universal praise for me. You were like, "This is the perfect amalgamation of Japanese horror," and you know, like plays on the afterlife and story and soul and it's all there and that's great and we've ramped things up now and gone are the days of like overt silliness and naivety um and we're moving into we're into we're into a new world bo this is a new world and episode seven and eight reminds you that no we're not <laughs> well or maybe we are but that new world still has a certain character who has not grown at all as a character and what has been covered in about, what, like eight, five, six years now by this point? Maybe not even as long as that, maybe four years. And I kind of feel like with all the shit this character has went through, growth should have happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lessons should have been learned, Bo. That's what I'm saying. Lessons should have been learned. But what this show is saying, no, that is not true. They spend a lot of time with <laughs> Well, and we open pretty strong, like, like you said, like the, the where we ended on the last pair of episodes was them, like setting fire to fucking Yuko. Yeah, Yuko burned shed. alive, yeah. and we saw two pairs of ashen footprints leaving the the burned out husk rubble um, of, of a kind of building portal. Um, so yeah, like we were like, oh, she's like, the first thing I thought to myself is, oh, she's gonna get pissed. Um, and she kind of is, but I mean, the episode opens super fucking strong. Yeah, like if you're if you're a fan of horror movies, if you're a fan of this show, this episode opens like the way you want this episode to open, which is with a gnarly possessed surgeon surgically removing skin from a dead body and sewing it together over Yuko. I mean, that's that's what I want. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to see. I want a whole episode of that. And this episode doesn't give me a whole episode of that. No, there, um, there's like a creepy song playing on the radio about dolls and, you know, how how the singer wishes, oh, I wish I had a whole, like, room full of dolls. And meanwhile, like you said, this guy's, you know, peeling flesh and stitching on uh, the, you know, burnt you, crispy Yuko. <laughs> crispy Yuko. Mm. Mm, that does sound good. I like that yeah. with the General Sows. And Oh, really? I like Ming's satay style. Ooh, well, mm. listen yeah. to you, fancy pants. <laughs> if Sati is, like, fancy, then Scotland's going to give you a shock. <laughs> <laughs> 
here all we have are, are pop tarts and RC cola, Duncan. <laughs> Goddamn, Mister Pimps. Yeah, putting on airs, Doctor Pepper. Acting like you're so fancy. I'll take my Mr. Pibb, thank you. Man of the people, Mr. Pibb. Uh, what's even better? You know what the biggest crime this show has ever committed is giving us the view of... Because like this this surgeon does all the soy soy stuff and then injects himself in the throat, thus killing himself. Mm-hmm. And then the camera pans over to... Now, Frank and Hooker, you, like Yuko, that, sitting on a, a shit, like, it's a cross between that and, um, what's the name, Patchwork, that movie, Patchwork, A little, which is really and awesome. there's just a whiff of the De Niro Frankenstein makeup. Yeah, and it's, it's gnarly fucking looking, uh-huh. and she's still, a, she's still trying to apply makeup, and I'm like that, and we get to see this, and then, no, 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 we're going to smooth most of that out. Yeah, that um, was a real bummer when she like shows up and she's mostly okay. It's like, no, what happened to the awesome, you know, stitched together? By the way, I was thinking. Oh, that so that's not how dead skin works. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. Anyway, so I was uh, uh, sure. I was thinking just the other day of that movie Patchwork and how how good it is. Uh, so, quick shout it's out, since awesome we movie. just referenced it again, if you've never seen the movie uh, Patchwork by uh, Tyler McIntyre, I think is the director, mm-hmm. uh, you should search that out. And also, um, Tragedy, Tragedy Girls, his, oh, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was yeah. the second movie, and I, I think I like Patchwork more. Anyway. I, 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 totally, I totally agree with you on that. I think we've we've already said that on this show. I think um, if you sit with those, both of those movies, one of them is trying to be a lot cooler and hipper than it actually is, and the other movie is just fucking... Patchwork <laughs> is so fucking good. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious and audacious, and at the end of the day, surprisingly sweet. What's the... What's the, what's the... <laughs> See, called the flying flying creature. Oh, I don't remember now. I need to go. I was going to see like fly, Mister Mistopheles, but that's not. It, right. it, it, it is something like that, and I just can't remember the name. And uh, <laughs> I need to go back, up. which just means I need to watch Patchwork again. Um, so, that, so will I. We have an accord. Yeah. Uh, after I watch Jabberwocky uh, this evening. Oh, um, you! Oh, when's the last time you watched Jabberwocky? Oh, I mean, fifteen years ago. Oh man, you're in for a ride. That movie is fucking nuts. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited about. It. I got the Criterion edition. It was an excuse, you know. As have I, bro. As have I. Uh, so, mm. <laughs> well, the worm has turned. Mm. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the student is now the master. Hmm. <laughs> But all right, so we leave Frank and Yuko to find uh, yes, that's her name now. <laughs> yeah, find Chester sitting alone in the woods, like you do. And Amy mm-hmm. Yoshida uh, is like, "Hey, my mom is wondering if you're still cursed out here." <laughs> and he tells her that uh, he's been writing Lou's all these letters, and she hasn't written him back, and he's still all butthurt about. Henry and uh, Oscar not not telling him the truth about who mm-hmm. his mother is, and he's like, "I could have protected Luz if I'd only known the truth." It's like, ah, just get over yourself. Like, you nobody had a handle on what was going on. You can't beat anybody no, up. No one could have stopped that. And right. yeah, I mean, maybe the reason she's not writing back to you is because she's got nothing left to lose. Uh, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, maybe it could have made that better as a prolonged science in the ew. Uh, right. <laughs> a good old fashioned like faith no more. Ew. Ew. Um, speaking of Lou, she's back home with her dad, who is just like, so, you know, Lou's, I, uh, I know there's some eligible gentlemen here in the neighborhood and <laughs> I know you've just lost two children and been liberated from an internment camp. Fancy hooking up with a Randall. <laughs> right. He's, he is trying to marry her off quick. Like, of course he's trying to remove, the, he's trying to move any chance that she will end up back with Chester and I will say I'm with her dad here on this one I'm like get her hooked up with someone before this fucking cursed moron gets back involved with her life <laughs> this, <laughs> this cursed moron may be the, the story of the show um, <laughs> and uh, so a knock comes at the door and, and uh, her father goes and gets in it's another letter from Chester and she's just like, I ah, put it on the pile with all the other unread letters. And her father has a line where he says, you collect these letters like paper dolls, and I'm sick of it. And I was like, I get it. But also, you know, she did just bury two children in an internment camp. Let's, <laughs> yeah, t- let's give her a couple of <laughs> she weeks. Can use that, she can only use that excuse twice, Bo. And then you have to treat her like normal. Right. I'm sure that's how that works. And... Yeah, and so back in the barracks, everyone's coughing, mm-hmm. and Chester, meanwhile, uh, he's in a different barracks now. He moved away from the Nakayamas and sees them outside, and he actually sees Osco kind of looking around for him, and he's just like, mm, I'm going to sit in here and be a little Weasley dick, not say anything <laughs> to the people who raised me. I'm in a huff. Hmm. Yeah, I'm in a real snit. And, oh, Chester just sucks. <laughs> Don't look at me that way. You can't speak to me that way. You're not my real mom. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, you're, when he told Henry, like, you're nothing to me. You're just like, yeah. you're, you're a little punk. Follow oh, man. sorry, I had to get some water oh, there. It's all, all, oh. all the clamped. And <laughs> so he gets a package from L.A., and it turns out that it's all his unopened letters. Chester, because the world re- revolves around Chester, and I suppose he's the main character of the show, in fairness. <laughs> but This is like the, the shit Japanese internment camp version of Everyone Loves Raymond, except it's everyone shuns Chester. Yeah, um, rightfully so. Like, Miss Yoshida is the nosy neighbor who's just constantly like, he's cursed as hell! <laughs> he's cursed <laughs> but yeah so (laughs) so dumbass chester uh has this box of letters all unopened he gets all in a snit once more about this i can't believe she didn't even open my letters and drops the box on the ground sees that like the gate is open because uh, some jeeps were coming through um, the the main gate to the internment camp and just starts walking out the front door because he's a moron because yes because he's just looking for trouble at this point looking yeah. to die I suppose I mean is that Maybe. his end game here is to get shot I, I don't I don't I, I genuinely think in Chester's mind he thought I'm just gonna walk out there and no one's gonna see shit. <laughs> 
Because the, he's a moron boy. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I will give him here is that as he walks past a bunch of a bunch of soldiers, they're like, "Hey, man, where do you th- where do you think you're going? Like, this is uh, clearly against the rules. We have a gate here for a reason." And he's like, uh, "Well, if you feel like a private can stop a sergeant, you go right ahead." And it's like, okay, this is as cool as Chester is going to be for the duration of these two episodes, and I'll give that to him. Yep. However, he finds it really quickly that a private will stop a sergeant. Yeah, and then they just grab him, beat the (laughs) shit out of him. (laughs) And I I think that's a small, that's that's a little vindication to the audience. (laughs) Maybe this will beat some sense into him. And sadly, you will find out that is not the case. If anything, we'll beat the dumb back into him hard. Oh, yeah. So when he comes to, he is naturally in cuffs. And uh, C. Thomas Howell as Major Bowen is behind. Who is brilliant in both these episodes, by the way. He gets He's the with... MVP of both these episodes. Yes. <laughs> Goddamn were... Oriental magic voodoo. Bunch of Japanese voodoo horse shit. He's <laughs> like in most of this episode. is fucking amazing. Yeah. He is so pissed off at, at the fact that. Bringing a bunch of goddamn Japanese ghosts to American soil. <laughs> he is beside himself about it. Um, it's so good. Uh, he, uh, before we get to that part of it, though, um, they're so they're taking him to Thule Lake, which is sort of like, hey, if you act up in the internment camps, this is the high security version. Mm-hmm. And uh, Henry and Osco are there, and they're like. You know, we've got to help him. And uh, Howell, uh, C. Thomas Howell is like, some bitch went AWOL. <laughs> and uh, heard he had a habit of doing it. Did it back in Guadalcanal. And then uh, Bowen has a good line here where he says, you got anything you want to say to your folks? Probably going to be a while. <laughs> and Chester's like, my parents are dead. And they're, Henry... <laughs> Throughout all of this is just like, yeah, fuck you too, buddy. And just w- mm-hmm. takes off. But Osco, uh, as she walks away, finds the box of letters. And is like, oh, I see why he went off his meds and decided to take a stroll outside the main gate while soldiers were watching. Um, and also, they're like this disease that's kind of ravaging the uh, the barracks. It has, has taken hold of... Toshihiro, uh, the sort mm-hmm. of adopted son, yet another adopted son of the Nakayamas, uh, one, the orphan kid of the Furuya clan. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the Furuyas? Yeah, the, who were systematically taken out. Um, <laughs> yeah, cursed to fuck, Paul. Yeah. I believe is, is the, the, the actual measurement of how cursed they were, measurement is cursed to fuck. <laughs> Not even as fuck, it has progressed to two fuck. The- <laughs> Stage two cursed to fuck. <laughs> Stage three is the dead. fucking um Yeah, it's a cursed as fuck, cursed to fuck, and then just dead. Those are the three stages of cursed. So it's the three, the three stages of cursed. Yeah, uh, also the three <laughs> stages of drinking. <laughs> drunk as fuck, as fuck, drunk to fuck, dead. 
dead. So, uh, yeah, so Toshihiro is coughing up all this shitty black phlegm and stuff. And Ken is playing doctor uh, Mm -hmm. because all the other doctors are sick. And he says, well, that it's spreading all over the barracks. It's jumping from uh, barracks to barracks and that the volunteers have taken over. And he tells Amy, like, hey, you're secretary to Major Bowen. You need to get him to get us some doctors or some, some supplies or something. Because uh, these mm-hmm. kids are about to start dying. And uh, he says, he has a good line here where he says, I know you like the safety of being Bowen's pet, but people are going to die soon. And it's like, me, Al, Ken. Yeah, Ken's getting a bet, Kai. Mm. Yeah, well, and of course, the backstory with these two is that, you know, of course, Amy and Ken had a thing and have been at odds ever since Amy forged his uh, answers on the loyalty questionnaire, yeah. which uh, kept him out of jail. His friends, <laughs> after he made all his friends go to prison. <laughs> yeah, everyone he, he knows, everyone in his movement has gone to, to prison, and he's left there like a big dickhead. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got something to prove. Will that come into play? Who knows? Ooh. Um, maybe. Maybe. So, I like like everything that's happening. Yeah, so far, so good. We got a good setup here. Uh, You know, Chester being stupid as usual, but at least he's doing something. And then uh, we see Major Bowen, aka C. Thomas Owl, doing some late night shaving like you do. (laughs) And and Yuko is back wandering the grounds of the, uh, the internment camp. And we see that now she's gone from full-on Frankenhooker to this more mildly scarred version that you were talking about, which is a real bummer. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes zero sense. Makes zero sense. Right. I, whatever. So she finds a picture of Chester and all these pe- uh, all these letters that Luz didn't read, and she does a little neck crack. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Bowen, meanwhile, is like, hey, are there any ghosts out here and is like sticking his head out and looking around the camp. Uh, cause he has heard somebody moving around, which you're not supposed to do after lights out. And he sees Yuko and he's like, Hey, what you got there? Where are you going? <laughs> and he starts chasing her down and you're like, dude, don't chase her. Get the fuck away from her. Yeah. You do, you do not know what the powers of which you fuck with. So right. run, run now. And so he grabs her by the arm and she whips around on him and gives him the old possession one, two, where, <laughs> you know, she gives him the eyes and all of a sudden his neck starts to go <clears throat> and uh, he gets that possessed look in his eyes, uh, which I thought was going to be more of a deal. Well, I think it. I like how they play this, actually. And we'll get into it later on. I, I like how they play this. I think it's more interesting to see the kind of extreme paranoia it puts under him and his changing attitude towards Japanese people because of it. He kind of goes through the... the the. If this was a curse, he's went through the the kind of Scrooge <laughs> curse here. He's been visited by the Yuko of Christmas past that he's woke up in the morning throwing all the, <laughs> the Japanese people party. You boy, right. buy the biggest turkey in all of Christendom. You know, it's like... <laughs> He's like woke up like and after the paranoia passes, he wakes up in a, a kind of a weird aura of 
I kind of regret what I've done here. And had they just went down the usual road, I think we would have maybe missed a bit of that. So I, I don't, what I'm saying is I, it's one of the few things I've done in this that I actually, I like the payoff. That's what I'm saying. You have to, but it takes two episodes to get the payoff, but I like the payoff. All right. All right. I'm with you. Uh, so, um, I mean, I mean, I'm, I don't disagree with you, but it just feels like there's a lot of shit that happens off screen in this episode that I'm kind of like, Oh yeah. There's, curious. Like, uh, the, it's a cheap episode. Like almost in fact, every death happens in a way which is off screen or like the camera pans in a certain direction or whatnot, which I'm going to say the terror season one did not spare the, you know, spare the viewer, the, the kind of gruesomeness. Some of those scenes towards the end of, of bodies were fucking stomach turning. Yeah. Uh, and this season feels a bit cheaper. Um, just in terms of that, and if any, if there ever there was a, a subgenre of horror that cries to be bloody and violent and visceral and in your face, it's J horror. That's what they do, <laughs> and they've given us bits and bobs of it. I just feel at this stage, it should just be a prerequisite. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a it's a weird one. Like I say, I like how it plays out in the long run, but it makes no sense. Like, like knowing, if you sit down and look at what Yuko's uh, motivations are, it makes no sense at all that she spares this guy, considering, like, everyone else that she comes in contact with dying. Yeah. She spared the guy that is being purposely mean to the Japanese people makes fuck all sense. And, right, and there doesn't seem to be, like, usually she'll take somebody out for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. or or use them to her advantage to like get around or whatever and she just doesn't seem to do that with him and it's like okay so she's just kind of joyriding in Major <laughs> Bowen where she's just like you know it's been a, a really rough day what Yuko needs right now is just a spin in a white man's body to really wash, <laughs> yeah. wash away all the stress of the day where she's Star, like I'm, I'm a- smoke stained <laughs> whiskey ridden fucking old white man <laughs> like can't wait to can't wait to kick off my shoes and relax in that body well it's just walking around and not being seen as yeah. you know a japanese woman and being completely dismissed as a person so mm-hmm. you know when she's just like hey i'm gonna walk around and have people look me in the eye and call me by the name you know it, mm-hmm. or by my name it's gonna be great like, hey there roger it's me, Major <laughs> Bowen. Hey, Major Bowen, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Roger. I'm going into my office and look at pornography and touch my penis. <laughs> Which I imagine is probably a sentence he has said to Roger before. Oh, yeah, and he was all right, sounds like a Thursday. Have fun, Major Bowen. <laughs> sounds like a Thursday. <laughs> You know, oh, like I do, Roger. Yep. <laughs> hey, would you like to put a thumb in my butt? <laughs> it's weird. He's never asked me for that before. Yeah. I wonder if he's possessed by a Japanese demon. Yeah. <laughs> who, who are notorious for wanting thumbs up their butts. They do. All of them. All of them. That's uh, Quite Anne is largely about the hell of a million thumbs. <laughs> the hell of a million thumbs. <laughs> oh, 
Sound, it's the sound of me falling on bubble wrap. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> on the way out or on the way in, you decide. <laughs> so, oh. so uh, Chester is in his uh, the truck to take him to Thule Lake. And he comes up with a, a great plan as they cross a bridge. Oh, the worst plan ever. Where his whole plan is, I gotta take a shit. <laughs> and they're like, what? He's like, I gotta take a shit. And they're like, okay. I can either do it in here or out there. And yeah. the guy's like, oh, he's got a point. <laughs> Let's stop the truck with his limited security here while this hatless fucking moron who may or may not be cursed, but I think he is, uh, goes out to take a dump, maybe. Right. Often, and, very close to this, that he could easily escape. <laughs> it's weird that he'd do it right here. I mean, that's... Well, and I guess Chester has lulled him into a false sense of security on account of how dumb he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he must need a... I mean, this guy's not got much going on. <laughs> if he says he needs a crap, he needs a crap. He accused two of us of being ghosts. Um, yes. <laughs> Yore! <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so they pull over and he pretends to take a shit. And then he just knocks out one guard and makes a run for this bridge. They take some shots at him and then Chester throws himself over the side of the bridge into the water. And they, you know, the guards take a couple of shots, but he is he is gone. They They do mm-hmm. not see him. And he comes up uh, ashore way downstream, and and Chester has gotten away. Goody. Yeah. So. (laughs) Yay. So he's enjoying life on the outside. And Mm -hmm. um, Bowen, uh, we cut over to him, and he looks like real shit. He's in his. He's uh, not having a good time. He's in that kind of post uco funk. Yeah. And Amy's like, hey, are you okay? And uh, Bowen says, you know, I used to think that uh, when you people wouldn't look me in the eye, it was out of fear or respect. I could live with that. But now I think it's because you know something I don't know. I don't know what kind of supernatural horse shit is running loose in this camp. But until somebody comes clean about it, nobody is leaving this place. God damn horse apples, bro. Yeah. Yeah, he is a real major potter in this. And they, uh, so the guards uh, who were driving Chester show up, and one of them's got a big shiner on his eye. And he goes, What the hell happened to you two? And they're like, No, <laughs> he got away, sir. Shucks. <laughs> he said he had to take a poop. <laughs> And then, <laughs> then we have a moment where Ken is chasing Amy through the barracks, and he's like, "Hey, what did Bowen say about like all the doctors and dead kids and what?" Well, see, he's he's following our. We said there was like he was going like Benny Hill music in the background. Yeah, kids are all that. She's like, "Oh no, I'm running in one door, but come down another one on the other side of the wall." It's a real bedroom like... farce with Amy and, and Ken. <laughs> I'm with it. He's more just like, what did he say? What's going on? These people need help. If we don't get help, they will die. 
we're not equipped, we're not staffed. And she's just like, eh, well, he's not keen. And he calls her in the question. I was like, look at the stones on Ken. This guy is, is all grown up, Bo. He's oh, yeah. He is responsible. Well, he's not trying to get any anymore. So he's just being mm-hmm. honest with Amy Yoshida about everything. <laughs> which he's is thinking clearly. You no, know, that is the sign of either we are now married or there is no chance of me ever having sex with you again. <laughs> and, and so uh, he he is following her, but she is on her way to tell Henry and Asuka Nakayama that Chester has gone missing, that he, he re- escaped the truck and nobody is sure if he's alive or dead. Mm-hmm. And... Then we cut to Major Bowen being paranoid in his barracks at night. And, like, there's a knock on the door, but he doesn't see anybody on the porch. And he's like, God damn, ghosts again. And, of course, he's got a gun because that's what you do with ghosts to shoot him in the face. But when he opens the door, it's Ken there who has pulled a gun on him and is like, uh, I, Major Bone, when he sees this, he's like, hey, what does she want with me? <laughs> and like, Ken's like, the fuck? <laughs> and he goes to hit Ken, who just beats the shit out of Bowen, gets his gun, and says, you wanted a demon, well, now you got one. And Bowen's like, no, no, not you, goddammit. <laughs> goddammit. Um... <laughs> Yes, he, I, I'm surprised we haven't made him the Brimley. I, I, I now I'm. That's, I, I think it was too. I think it was too obvious. It maybe so, like but the, it seems so. Uh, it seems so clear now that we should have been doing it yeah. all along. But at anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, uh, Bowen is now taken hostage by Ken. Um, then we go over to Luz, who is on the tail end of a date with this Julio dude. And Julio's kind of a charmer. He's like, you know what? Oh, Julio is the Casanova. Yeah, he's like, he's I don't making all the right moves. I don't. I'm not trying to rush you. There's no pressure. I know you're going through a lot. I, I'm just saying, I don't date that often. I'm. I want to get to know you. So look, I'm here. You just want to. You want to call. You want to get some coffee. This is my move, Duncan. This is the. I, hey, let's just be cool. We don't have to. We don't have to fool around. Let's just, you know, have a little chat. Oh, what's your hand doing on my penis? Who knew? That's just happenstance. He's saying all that, but he said he's like, stare into the eyes of Julio. (laughs) Right. He's like, as soon as I take you to bed, Julio will rock your world. (laughs) Mild-mannered Julio will become a jungle cat. (laughs) Julio will give you the best 30 seconds of your life. You may want to avoid being on top. You could get thrown clear. (laughs) Julio is no two-pump jump. (laughs) Julio can get up to four, maybe five pumps. (laughs) That's good value, boy. That's double. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Also, Julio will not fall asleep immediately after. No, Julio will have a bowl of cereal first. (laughs) Preferably life, but whatever you have is fine. 
Oh, poor Julio. <laughs> yeah, so Julio, Julio thinks he might have a shot. Julio thinks they are getting is, straight up married. Yeah, but what he doesn't know is someone infinitely dumber and more cursed than him is going to scupper their plans. Well, right, because she sees uh, his Chester's car from before they had to go to the, the camps, the one he left with his, his old professor. And she's kind of looking past Julio and is like, is that fucking Chester? Shit, shit. Julio, thanks. Nope, it was good. All right, bye. Julio, gotta go. Gotta go, Julio. Gotta get inside. And then he finally when leaves. When Julio said we did not have to rush, Julio was only kidding. <laughs> what I mean is, we don't have to rush to get you pregnant, but that's okay, too. <laughs> you know Julio's motto, one in the oven, one around the finger. <laughs> <laughs> Julio's more than rushed. <laughs> Julio is like, gotcha! Pow! Yeah, he's got his own anchor baby in mind. <laughs> I love that we've given full five minutes to a character that's on screen for like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so Julio fucks off. And, uh, and, uh, Luz is like, oh shit, alright, let me go to Chester's car and see what the fuck he wants. And they he drives her to, you know, the place where Zodiac killed a couple of victims overlooking <laughs> LA. The hurdy-gurdy man. Yeah. Hurdy-gurdy, hurdy-gurdy, hurdy-gurdy. Um, <laughs> Lou says, uh, like, hey, the girl you loved and the girl who loved you is buried back at that camp with those kids. And she has a really good line here where she says, everything about you hurts me. Mm. And it's like, I feel you, Luz. <laughs> we, we uh, Duncan and Bo come correct, are 100% with you, Luz. We think that like Chester is damn near insufferable. Well, yes. And Luz then says an interesting thing about Julio. She was like, he's a guy I could have married. Because while he was talking, I just had this smile plastered on my face. And I could have lived that life. I could have lived that lie and been relatively content. It wouldn't have been a happy life, but it would have been an acceptable life. And mm-hmm. uh, I would never have a genuine emotion with him for my life. And Chester's like, you can do that if you want, but I don't think that's you. And she's like, well, what do you have? Or she says... I don't have anything to give you. And Chester says, I don't want anything. I'm not trying to take anything from you. All I want to do is help you if you'll let me. She's like, what can you do for me? And he's like, well, I got this car. If you could go anywhere in the world, if you had a free ride anywhere, where would you want to go? And it's actually kind of a nice scene between Chester and Luz. Which, again, deceptive because this is all going to get real stupid before long. Oh, yes, very quickly. And so Amy goes to Bowen's uh, office, or his barracks, but it's Ken who answers. And she's like, Ken, what the fuck are you doing here? Um, Not who I expected. And uh, he's like, well, you know, we got to get ambulances here and doctors. So I took Bowen hostage. Somebody had to do something. And uh, he says when Bowen comes to, he's going to demand that doctors come. And Amy is like, you know, I really tried 
but he he just wouldn't listen. And Ken's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. You can leave now because I'm gonna get shit done. Yeah. And back woman, a man has arrived. Right, he should get lost. Scram, toots. <laughs> Ken, Ken's in charge. Lodging in charge. Yeah, he takes out a crisp one dollar bill, puts it just down the front of her top and tells herself something nice, and then pinches her on the cheek, slaps her on the ass. Yeah. First you wanna kiss me, then you wanna kill me. Blow. Blow. Yep. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Um, while the Beatles, she's leaving home plays, Luz leaves a note for her father and takes off with Chester. <laughs> she's leaving home. Bye bye. I was hoping for maybe, um, she's a break. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, a Ben Folds quite wow. high. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You went high with that. She. <laughs> Monday night. Leaving a note. For a moment, she's alone. Anyway, she's so. A- <laughs> she's a loser. She's drowning slowly. She has lost some him. twins and she's headed nowhere. <laughs> oh, Paul. Oh, come on. Oh. 6 a.m. She looks at Chester. <laughs> Tries to keep her breakfast down. <laughs> you give me ten minutes, I give you a whole song about how much Luz is disappointed in Chester. <laughs> but so, alright, here is where things take a turn for the seriously stupid. Oh, yes. So Chester... Oh, daddy Oh, my God. So Chester then sneaks into a Catholic orphanage, and I'm like, oh... Is he going to get his file, which is stupid, because we already know that. Like and we he don't already know that. Yeah, he right. already knows. Right. There's no reason for him, him to go look this up. He knows because of the spiritual connection who his mother is. And and also yeah. his mother told got, him that yeah, was he my got sister. Fucking told outright. He has been told. It has been confirmed. Like, at no point now do we need to go and get paperwork. That makes zero fucking sense. Right. It is zero. There, there is, Like you said, there is no reason to do this. Yeah. Then. <laughs> Chester finds in this file that he is one of a pair of twins. Mm. Yeah. His, you know, mm. uh, he has a twin brother named Jiru. And at this point, I was like, you know what? I don't think so. (laughs) Did you call bull to the shit on this? I did call bull to the shit on this because if Yuko, who has been obsessed with getting a child, Mm -hmm. has been following Taizo the world over, why would she never, ever have mentioned a, a twin brother. When when um uh Luz was pregnant, why would she never have said, Oh, I had twins too? Mm-hmm. You know, in all you're these right. midwives. Everything everything you're saying right now is right. This is far too late to add a new player. Right. And something that you you it, it was never set up. 
like the mm-hmm. the shots of her like taking care of uh, a, a child on the streets and rocking a it. Child. Single child. Right. Yeah. And uh, all right, we'll get to it. But so this is the big reveal. And I was like, fuck, no. And then <laughs> Amy goes into Bowen's office all sneaky like and turns off this reel to reel recorder because she had talked earlier about how Bowen's got the entire place bugged. And she basically swipes his recorder. And uh, she turns that off. She calls in some trucks using his credentials where she's like, hey, uh, Major Bone would like um, some immediate relocation. We have some sick kids. Mm-hmm. And then a guard comes in and is like, hey, what's going on in here? And she's like, nothing. Click. Um, and then we, we get a peek inside the barracks where Bowen is giving Ken a bunch of shit about being Japanese. He's like, I don't know if it's your, uh, how's he put it? Like kamikazes driving, flying planes into ships and eating people, uh, that they've Mm -hmm. taken prisoner. I don't know if it's a genetic thing, if it's Japanese blood that makes you people so savage. And, He's like, how do you think you're going to get the ambulances now? I'm never going to order that now. I serve with Pershing. I am never, <laughs> ever going to surrender. God damn it. And God damn it. And then, uh, like, there's a moment where you see that kind of Ken has sort of this grudging respect for the fact that, like, okay, I take him at his word. I don't think he's actually going to do it. But then... Amy shows up outside with some guards and she's like, Hey, I have called ambulances on their way. They're they're already coming. This is over Mm -hmm. with like everyone can stand down. Medical care is en route. Whatever happens now is the punishment for this. Like the, the, the goal has been achieved. They talk Ken down into dropping his weapon, which he does. The guards take him into custody. And there's a moment where Bone's like, come on in. And when that boy puts the gun on the deck, you just put the cuffs on him. Nice and gentle. This is the first instance of pretend nice guy, Major Bowen. Mm -hmm. Pretend nice guy, Major Bowen's awesome. He is. He'll throw you a party and everything. (laughs) <laughs> he'll even go and collect the catering when it breaks down yes oh man that that's maybe the finest scene but we'll get to it here in a sec uh but yeah he's just like all right everybody be cool i'm cool even though he punched me out and held a gun on me everything's fine <laughs> broke my wrist yeah you, you know how i'm his bowling arm you know what i mean <laughs> oh oh god old easy going major bowen you know what they say Totally, totally cool, Major Bowen. Doesn't get upset. You know me. Described as breezy, breezy Bowen is what they call him. Name, named Meditator of the Year, two years running, 1938-1939. Received blessings and honors from the National Buddhist Society. Chief Mediator for the Middle East Peace Talks, which don't exist yet. What I'm getting as a real level-headed kind of sort, and 
And uh, so Ken then says, he kind of protects Amy. He's like, you know what? She didn't want to do any of this. I told her I was going to kill you if she didn't call these ambulances. And, uh, and, and Bowen is like, all right, no problem. That sounds good. Uh, Ken, uh, then is in custody. And then Bowen says, by the way, I didn't believe in any of that ghost bullshit. I was just <laughs> acting crazy because of training. You know, they tell you act crazy, put, put your enemy off guard. And, uh, which is probably the same lesson the pilot took about, you know, uh, the, from the previous oh, yeah. episodes, fucking with Chester about ghosts and whatnot. Yeah. Better fucking tongue off. <laughs> Sorry, an ear. Better an ear off. Yeah. It's no and, better way to act crazy, though, than cannibalism. <laughs> so, then there's a real switcheroo where good guy Major Bowen, like, you know, brushes off, stands up, walks out of the, the place, has Amy Yoshida at his side, and she says, Sir, just please try to take into consideration that he did this to try to get medical help for some people who were sick. And he says, Miss mm-hmm. Yoshida already have. And then as he passes by some guards, he goes, boys, they're going to need you in there. And <laughs> he, <does. laughs> he, he, he pulls a Cronenberg. He's like, he got a gun. He does. It's an immediate, like, you know, Miss Yoshida, I appreciate you being so uh, helpful during that process, getting him put the gun on the ground. Boys, why don't you go on in there and just shoot the shit out of him, if that's all <laughs> right. Uh, me and Miss Yoshida are going to get some coffee. And <laughs> and that's what happens. They go in there and they shoot the shit out of Ken, who, like, again, off screen, you hear rifle shots yeah. and, and Amy screams. It's uh, taken away um, and processed by OCP. And he becomes Roboken. <laughs> right. Yeah, they shoot his hand off as he watches. Ken just wishes that they'd given him his fucking phone call. Man, I... I my Blu-ray, been... my Blu-ray that just came in uh, from Arrow and it looks the tits and I can't wait to watch it. I've been quoting Robocop all day today. Much to the dismay of everyone that I work professionally with. <laughs> It's not the worst thing that you can do. It's not the worst thing that can happen to a person. Yep. I got enough muscle to shove this factory so far up his stupid wop ass. It was shitting snow for a year. Clarence Bodiger's the greatest villain ever. He's a, one of the best, for sure. Uh, I, You know, I I am surprisingly okay with RoboCop 2. It's not great. It's not the first one. It's, yeah, but you, Tom Dinnan's what saves that. That in a and, lot of respects. Tom Noonan's a great villain. He's very good, and there's that scene where they bring in all the Ed 209 replacements, <laughs> and yeah. that scene is nightmarish and wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brain or whatever, or that skull that just starts screaming, and they're like, get it out of here, get it out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so it's so good. Uh, anyway. Uh, Part three is, is not good, though. <laughs> No, it is not. Flat, uh, like jetpack samurai Robocop is not worth your time. No. Um, all right, back in the terror in for you. Chester and Luz uh, are chatting about the fact that he has a twin brother, and Luz is like, I don't believe this. This seems like way too late in the series to be introducing a twin <laughs> brother. Are you sure about all this? It kind of feels like it's been sandwiched in here, you know, like wedged in right. Like right at the last minute. Boy, it really feels like you had half a season, and then you were told that uh, that wasn't nearly enough. 
And so here's a whole second act that uh, doesn't really feel necessarily consistent. Uh, but all right, what 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 were you saying again, Chester? And he's like, yeah, well, the apparently his brother went to a hospital at eight weeks old and just vanishes. And he's like, he, they, his name was probably changed. I have no idea. He's probably in a camp somewhere wondering why half of him feels like it's missing too. It's like the fuck are you talking about when when in this entire uh, season of television have you ever said I feel like half of me is missing? Yeah, he has never said that. He's right. never said it. He's never even intimated it at all. Yeah. And Luz then is like, you know what? How about fuck that? And we just go to New Mexico out in the middle of nowhere where nobody's looking for you. And mm-hmm. we can just get down to some fucking Chester. How about that? Yeah. How, do you In the g- most sexiest place of all, my grandmother's house. <laughs> Look, th- things happen in grandmother's ho- homes. It's just, it's a, a rule of nature. You know, you're there for a family reunion. You meet a third cousin. Mm-hmm. Have some tequila. One, one thing leads to another. Um, Before you know it, you're doing her up the enchilada. Oh, my God. Burns, Bo. Burns. <laughs> sure it does. It's all, It's a spicy meatball. Um, <laughs> mixing cultures there. But that's what I like, Duncan. That's the spirit of America. We're a melting pot. <laughs> yeah, Bo will have a fajita with a side of Oh, yeah. I'll have curry chicken and f- refried beans. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> Fucking poster chill for Pepto-Bismol. That's what you are. Oh, are you kidding me, Duncan? Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds like you're going to let people know you were there for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> so uh Luz uh pitches the uh, moving to New Mexico and and Chester seems to be on board with this. Uh so we move back over to um the creepy scenes between Major Bowen and Amy Yoshida. <laughs> It's the best stuff in these episodes, man, honestly. It, it is. Like, he is in his barracks, just drinking a scotch with his arm in a sling, watching her type in the mm-hmm. grossest possible way. He he yep. stops just short of having his hand down his pants, but <laughs> it is the natural progression. Yeah. And See, he doesn't have a free hand to do it. He's going to wear it for his drink. <laughs> right. If That's why he calls her over. He's like, Amy, aren't you? Grab that Mercura Chrome and come on over. My bandages need a little, uh, little swapping. And the, he says, you know, after that little incident, they want me to change barracks, but I said, no, I will not surrender. And he, he, she's asking like, you know, well, you didn't have to do what you did with Ken. And he, and he says, no, I saw the look in his eyes. Some dogs you just got to put down. <laughs> And then he strolls over to this vase, picks a flower out of it, and then takes it back to her and is like, you know, I knew you were one of the good ones. And she gives him this flower and she's just like, uh, I'm going to go type some more. And so does. Yeah. And she's um, also putting in a, a request for an HR session where we all sit down and talk about what is appropriate behavior in the workplace, Paul. Right, yeah. The the HR internment camp videos are just like, I don't know, do whatever you want. They're less than human. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not what later HR videos would go on to say. Except if you work at Google. Zing! So, uh, then, 
Chester and Luz, sure enough, have... Oh, it, uh, uh, it turns out, like, there's a chord that we follow, and it turns out that Amy Yoshida is, sure enough, recording everything that's happening in his barracks on his own reel-to-reel. Mm-hmm. Very sneaky, Amy. She's sneaky. This will not come back and bite her in the ass, Paul. I declare it right now. Right. This is a real uh, Greg... Well thought for, through plan. No, it's a real mind hunter move of like, well, I'm going to drop this tape in the mail and send it to headquarters. Oh, fucking Greg, man. Greg. God it wasn't man. Greg. Was it? Agent Smith. Yes. I thought it was I thought it was Greg Jones. No, it is Smith, isn't it? It is Agent Smith. Greg Smith, isn't Greg it? Greg Smith, yeah. Fucking Greg, man. Fucking Greg. Fuck you, Greg. <laughs> oh, who did the lead on this? Greg? So it's shit. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Chester and Lou's uh, go to... Who cooked my steak? Oh, so it's overdone. Well, well done. Yeah. Fucking Greg. Fucking Greg, pass a piece. So they show up at her Nana's house uh, in New Mexico, Abuela, and Chester is like, he waits in the car and you see Luz go to her family and it is this warm greeting where they all hug her and are, you know, embracing her and telling her how much they love her. Meanwhile, Chester just watches from the car like, I wish I had a family, stupid ghost mom. And finally, he gets out of the car, and it looks like he's going to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I'm going to head further east, see if old Taizo Tanabe can get work on his own. And she's like, you know, there's work to do around here if you want. And he's like, so are you saying sex? And she's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. Let's see how it goes. I mean, I haven't... Thinking- farm work here as well as kind of thinking first i was thinking about the fact that there's a leak in my bedroom and once that's fixed you can get the fuck out of here uh, i suppose um also no seeing me naked anymore um so <laughs> you know just know that that's a thing yeah also uh, i think you might be cursed <laughs> yeah you know i was having to talk when you were away in guadalcanal with miss yashida and she made a lot of interesting <laughs> points about how much you, you suck. <laughs> you suck. You're cursed. Boy, is that boy cursed. See how cursed he is. Look at this pride chart that I made showing the, the scale of cursed. Um, that is one cursed boy. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, you'll see here on the chart where he surpassed cursed as fuck. <laughs> that happened back in April. And he has been cursed to fuck. From April to present. Yeah. We're concerned that it may be pushing towards dead. That's, you know. <laughs> We're really fingers crossed around here because we feel like <laughs> it would clean up a lot of the general cursedness of the camp. We're Chester yeah, make to. This show, <laughs> make the show in the writing feel a bit more satisfying. <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. I, like, where the fuck has Miss Yoshida been in these episodes? Mm-hmm. That's who I need. I need her showing up to be like, I told all of you. She just does the like apology to her, but it's a people apologizing to her. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. So to end this episode with a bang, um, Luz's father is reading the note that she has left him. Presumably just saying like, Hey, I, you know, 
heading uh, off with Chester. I'm making a series of, of life altering mistakes. And <laughs> <laughs> so he hears tell Julio, I'm a lo- tell Julio I love him with something in that boy's eyes and pocket. <laughs> tell Julio to wait for me. Ha ha in parentheses. Um, <laughs> tell him I could really see myself settling down with someone like him. Tell him I could really see myself cuckolding him <laughs> later in life and, and really to keep his options open because I may swing back around. <laughs> the, this thing with Chester's a real test balloon. I don't mind telling you, Dad. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever really talked to him, but he's pretty pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, her, her father hears uh, some noise in the house, goes to investigate, uh, investigate, and he finds and loses bedroom uh, Yuko. Mm-hmm. And she is uh, mumbling about her boys and how she wants uh, her perfect world. And Luz's father rightly is like, you need to leave. <laughs> and then she possesses him and he, you know, neck cricks. <laughs> And then pulls out a map and circles Oreo, New Mexico. And then uh, he takes the pen he was writing with, holds it on the map, and then uh, leans back and then throws himself forward so that his eye is punctured uh, by the pen and blood pools on the map heading in the direction of the circle town of Oreo, New Mexico. Or as we like to call it, the Dark Knight. Magic trick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ta-da. Mm-hmm. Uh, says Yuko. <laughs> that's the end of this episode. Yeah, so at this point, I'm like, oh no, this twin thing seems real dumb. I hope that they get <laughs> yeah, over this I'm, pretty fast. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that they ditch this pretty quick. And then episode eight's like, no, no, no. The next one's called My Sweet Boy. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah, like, I'm with you. See, as soon as this was, like, I watched both episodes back to back tonight. And as soon as he mentioned this, I, I got that sinking feeling. A sinking feeling that the best has now passed. <laughs> we might be on a slippery decline to an unsatisfying conclusion. Also feels really rushed. Don't know if you felt that. These two episodes felt like, like, like episode uh, two eight starts, the wars are, pretty much over. It's like 1945. So we've like jumped forward again, like a chunk of time, which I'm like, what are we doing? I just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It feels weird and it feels rushed. Yeah. And it just found Just found <laughs> Maybe it's worth pointing out. This was directed by Mira Minon, um, who has previously uh, directed a shit ton of television, including things like Man in the High Castle and The Magicians and Beer the Walking Dead and stuff like that, mm. um, and was written uh, by Danielle Roderick and Tony Tost, uh, both of whom uh, are, like, she was a researcher who... who uh, is credited on just this script and uh tony tost is a uh writer who has done uh shows like longmire and damnation as well as this Mm. so that was the previous episode just to uh to get that 
um, out of the way. And then episode eight, uh, which will conclude tonight's journey, is, as uh, Duncan pointed out, entitled My Sweet Boy. It is directed by Toa Frazier. And uh, Toa Frazier has uh, directed shows like Daredevil and uh, Swamp Thing and uh, The Terror uh, and uh, Into the Badlands and mm. uh, that kind of thing. So, and this is uh, is written by Ali, uh, uh, Alessandra Demona and Shannon Goss. Uh, Shannon Goss uh, has written uh, for both The Terror and uh, ER and Revenge and Outlander. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, television writers and whatnot. So, we open on Life on the Farm for Chester here in New Mexico. And as he is hitting dirt with a stick, which is probably what he's been doing this entire time, um, a chilly wind blows through. And literally how he's been, that's the best description of Chester's life, is futilely just bashing a stick off the dirt. (laughs) It it really is. Uh, But Luz, uh, who is still snowed by this guy, oh my god, this episode. So... She brings him water, and she's like, I thought you were leaving. And he's like, well, do you want me to leave? And she's like, I don't know. I don't not want you to leave, but I also think it's nice when you're around. I mean, there's still work to be done. And he's like, well, maybe yeah, I will There's no, no greater ringing endorsement of love than that. Yeah. And she, she says, you know, I really just don't know what I want right now. And immediately, Chester is like, well, I'll beat you out of your hair in a couple of days. And you're like... Chester, shut the fuck up. Did you not see what happened with Julio? Do you not understand how to play this? And you say, yeah. it's cool, baby. I'm just here doing some work. You let me know if you want to talk later. That's it. That's all you got to do. Yep. Oh, Chester. It's not easy. It's not easy. Chester, fucking moron. Right. Chester has not learned the simple lesson of, hey, if a woman shows a momentary disinterest in you, it does not mean she is disinterested in, in in you. It means she's got some other shit going on. You just play it cool, baby. You tell her. You tell her, "Hey, I'll be here uh, on the flip side. Don't you worry a pretty uh, little head about it." And they like that. Virtually um, no idea what you're. Like, you're just throwing things together here. None of it sounds plausible. I. It's how I met my wife, <laughs> and how I met your mother. Oh, nice. Yeah. So. <laughs> Luz is is cutting through the house uh, with her uh, Nana and uh, uh, one of her Nana's friends. And they're like, you should tell him how you feel. Because you guys being in the house together, you guys have really worked up a real Sam and Diane, will they, won't they? And we want to see how this pays off. And Luz is like, all right, I'll go take him some blankets. So she does. She goes in his room. And he's got his evidence, in quotes, laid out, which is just a bunch of pictures. (laughs) And like papers that I'm sure he's looked at before, but he's spread them out, uh, like almost you know. staged. Yeah, uh, like this is the kind of shit you do in college when you're trying to like impress a girl by like, oh, I'm gonna put mm-hmm. all my notes out and whatnot. And uh, they come in, they're like, oh, look how studious he is. Is is how I imagine it goes. And <laughs> but it, it's like. It is entirely for someone else's benefit. There is no reason to have this shit laid out this way. Uh, But yet, here it is, and Luz comes in, and she's like, oh, are you still 
looking at information about your brother and he's like, Oh, I'm so glad you asked. And she's like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, Hey, do you want to stay and hang out in my room for a little while? And we'll just listen to some music. No big deal. Your parents can't hear what happens in here. Right. And it's a little bit awkward. And Chester then says, you know, you remember when I talked about having that little house with a picket fence and an acre of my own, you probably thought I was crazy, didn't didn't you? And Luz is like, I didn't think you were crazy, baby. Let's kiss. And then they do. <laughs> yeah, they, she's like, let's make a replacement, baby. <laughs> Which is something that's going to happen in this episode. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make a ton of... like. Luz None of this makes sense. None of it makes sense. In the space of them arriving in New Mexico, Luz goes from thanks for the ride to we should get married. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. So somewhere in a barn on the hot on the trail of Luz and Chester, Yuko wakes up in a barn, and that's kind of the end of the cold open, and then we get some credits. It's just like, oh, she's pursuing them but there's also uh, uh there's an insert uh to let us know that it is january 1945 when we, we begin this episode and henry and osko nakiyama are in line at the camp with a bunch of other people where they are uh henry is applying to be a gardener yeah where, and then a cute going daughter bah! <laughs> Well, all right, so I looked this up. This is all historically on the up and up. So mm-hmm. what happened in Japanese internment camps is they would allow the Japanese interred to leave so long as that someone of American descent or, you know, white uh, hired them and vouched for them. Was Played sponsor is what it was called. And that would get them out of the camps. Do we think that that is maybe because public opinion was changing? It was public opinion and also something that they actually mention in the this episode in particular where they talk about this case moving through the courts and that it looks for all the world like the internment camps are going to be deemed unconstitutional. So there's a real sense that like, hey, the camps may be wrapping up that. Yeah. You know, and yes, the this sponsor thing was kind of a way for the government to save face by saying, Oh, you know, we were doing the right thing all along. Now here's the ability for you to get out of this camp and go be a a successful citizen out in the world. Uh yeah, in, under the case, the, in, in the case of Henry, uh Gardner. <laughs> right, which he's never done. But he it's the guy who owned the cannery, the one who fired the guy. Uh, what stole his car and that guy has hired him to be his gardener just to get him out of the camp i assume mm-hmm. also what you get here is um the the idea of reparations <laughs> which is a real spit in your face it's got a real big deep spit in the face yeah and i like when the guy seems overly enthusiastic about it where he's like and here's your 25 dollars for reparations and nakiyama is like $25 and he goes uh-huh a piece each, yeah each. <laughs> twinsies 
And so at this same table, Amy Yoshida is one of the people that's that's kind of working this line. And I think it's Henry who says, where's Major Bowen? And uh, she says, oh, well, he was called away very suddenly. I wouldn't expect him to be back, not for a while. Wink. Because <laughs> she thinks that her, you know, she's dropped a dime on him and he's going to be reprimanded and replaced. She, I don't think she understands how the armory works, Bo. Apparently not, because at the mess hall, moments later, Bowen shows up and is like, Hey, everybody, what's happening? I sure didn't miss everybody here. And, and he's like, shit, 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 shit. And uh, so the next morning, back in New Mexico, Luz and Chester are lying in their bed of sin. <laughs> sin! And, sin! And they immediately get married. Like literally she's like, she is like, you know, oh, we can't let our, my grandmother here. Uh, she'll never approve of what we're doing. And he's like, I've got a way to fix that marriage. And immediately they're just in a barn with, uh, uh, you know, this priest in New Mexico. It's a New Mexico wedding, yeah. It's a New Mexico shotgun wedding. And yeah, and then they're married, and the family seems very happy about all this, except for Dona Maria, who hugs Chester a little too tight and a little too creepy. Mm-hmm. And as she he walks, a, she has a bad neck as well. But I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, as as he walks away, we get a good old fashioned neck crack, and it's like, oh, Yuko was at her son's wedding. I wonder what she thinks about his twin brother <laughs> that we didn't think about until. <laughs> You know, 10 minutes ago in screen time. This is supposed to be the happiest day of Chester's life. And what we get is Chester, who wishes his family could be there. The family he disowned. He's such a fucking moron, honestly. Right. Well, and it's Luz who's like, I wish your family was here. And he's like, I don't have a family. You're like, just knock it off. I'm so, I I hate this part of that character. Yeah. That just whining, petulant, childish Chester. Mm-hmm. And it it's like it's not narratively interesting. It's just being a brat, and yeah, I don't care for it. I don't like it. I don't like it either. So Walt Gishida, uh remember him, Duncan? Yes, I did. He shows up, and uh, Major Bone is like, "Look at this, everybody! It's Lieutenant Yoshida. Well, I'll be goddamn." <laughs> And he's like, you know, our, our, uh, whatever the name of the, the company is like the 549th. It's the all Japanese, uh, outfit. They are, um, there are more people from Bowen's camp in this division than any other camp. And he goes, we are building Patriots here. God damn it. <laughs> and Walt's actually there to, on a recruiting mission to recruit more uh, young men from the camp to go into service. And anyway, so we're just setting this up to pay off here in a couple of scenes. So the sheriff then shows up over at Luz's grandma's house where they immediately are like, Chester, get the fuck in the room. He's like, why? And they're like, because of everything that's happened to you in the past three years, you are cursed. Right, you're cursed and you're Japanese and neither of those things are, are going to be good for you to be seen by the sheriff. But Luz then comes to find him in the room a few minutes later and he tells her, or she tells him, that the sheriff was there not 
because of him, but because her father is missing, which Mm -hmm. doesn't seem right because when last we saw him, he had a pin through the brain and was lying face down on a map. But don't worry because this show ain't going to bother to explain it. Yeah. Also, why would you could dispose of the body? She's done it no other time. She's not behaving the way we've been set up to believe that she should behave more. It's very weird. It's kind of like they just can't be bothered with that part of the story. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And yeah, and as far as like l- being on the lookout for him, it's like just look for the guy with the pin sticking out of his face. <laughs> you know, sure, I mean, his body's missing, but there sure was a lot of blood. I mean, unless you go cleaned that up as well before she left. I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah, I don't know why he's missing. That doesn't make any sense to me. It makes fucking no sense at all. Because we, it, it makes no sense. Plus, we come to a realisation very quickly in this episode that, that they all know kind of what's happened to him. You know what I mean? It's not as if this is going to hang over for like two episodes or something that she thinks her dad's just missing. Right, like, the, we're going to have a psychic vision shortly and then a conversation about how he's most likely dead. Right, that is the whole purpose of having the father going missing, which doesn't make any sense, and it's to mm-hmm. gin up a reason to do this other thing. And where we don't Bad even go looking dream. for him, you know? Bad dream. Right. Easy. Uh, uh, anyway, so after they leave, this is the point where Abuela, the grandmother, is like, hey, we should have this kind of uh, a currentismo uh, which is a, a kind of a weird seance sort of thing to see if their father is dead. And the idea is that you can touch an object uh, that somebody owned or a picture of them, and it zooms you to their their place. If they are dead, then mm. you will see them at the point that this picture was taken. If they are alive, they just won't be there. And they'll be out roaming the world somewhere. That's the rules of the Corindismo. And Luz is like, no, 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 this is too dangerous. We can't do this because if we go looking for my father, there are some spirits who go looking and never find their way back to their bodies or some just don't want to. Some end up in a place that's better than the real world and they stay there forever. And Chester's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, 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 fuck all your dad shit. Can you find (laughs) my brother with this picture that I have handily in my pocket? And so we both set up and immediately dismiss the missing father thing. This does not of come course. up again. No, no, of course not. Why, why would it? Oh, it's uh, serves no purpose. It's just so frustrating because there's been so much good shit, and then it feels like the last episode, it was a little rickety, and this episode, it's just like, I don't even know what the fuck is happening anymore. Um, yeah, we've, we've thrown so much out there that really what we should be doing on... The really interesting thing, which is Yuko trying to get Chester. But no, it's now not that. It's like, no, she wants fucking... Well, we'll get into it. We'll get yeah. into it. I'm not going to spoil this, but we will get like into it. Got, it's, it's, yes. it's just fucking dumb. All right, so back at the barracks, Walt is signing the boys up. And uh, there's a, a couple of good moments here. One is Bowen, uh, a.k.a. CB Thomas Howell, bringing Amy Yoshida a cup of coffee. And he's like, I just Never thought... Never made her a coffee. Never <laughs> made her one before. Right. She's like, why did you bring this to me? And she's like, well... Or, or he says, uh, you know, 
I, you bring it to me every day. I just thought I would do you a favor and bring a, a cup to you. And she's like, a steaming, scalding cup of coffee. Right. Yeah. And that's her thing. She's like, oh, it's, it's a little too hot for me to drink right now. <laughs> and he says, oh, go ahead. I bet it's plenty cool by now. And she ultimately doesn't drink it. But no. this is what starts to put Amy on like double secret probation when it comes to Major Bowen and his shenanigans because he is being way too nice about everything. Mm-hmm. And knowing this is this is equivalent to the uh, Percy Whitmore character from the Green Mile when he yep. gets real friendly. And you're like, oh, fuck, he is up to something that is going to ruin everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's how Bowen is acting. So we've got that going on. And then Toshihiro uh, Furuya shows up to enlist, who, you know, has been sickly. He's just been kind of a background character for all this. And Walt, uh, when he sees uh, Toshiro show up, Walt's like, look, man. You don't want any piece of this. The The real dirt on, on our division is they send us where they don't want to send the white soldiers. Like, if it's too dangerous for, him, for them, they send us. The reason I'm on this recruitment tour is because we're dying so fast, we can't keep up with the, the, the deaths. I've seen everyone I know die around me. You're not cut out for this. And, and he's like, nuh-uh. Yeah, Toshihiro's like, bitch, I live life on the streets. He was like, I, I'd graduate high school in prison, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I, and he, the way he puts it, he's like, all I want to do is kill. And it's like, well, it's always the quiet ones, man. This kid's been, had a hard on for murder for some time. He is, yeah, he's, he's, he's the what they need, realistically. Someone that's ready and willing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I suppose so. This is exactly the kind of soldier you want. But he is just Mm -hmm. like, this camp has turned me psychotic. It's the old old thing about like, oh, he wasn't a criminal until he went to jail kind of thing. Yeah. So, (laughs) like, Toshiro's got his old teardrop tattoo in one corner now. (laughs) Living hard. Writing rhymes about it. It's a hard knock life. Oh, <laughs> All right. So <laughs> then Bowen shows up to ask Amy uh, to come with him to get party supplies for a truck that's broke down. <laughs> Which it, you're right. This is the best scene in either episode where he's just like, so fucking great. he's so happy. Yeah. He, it's him in the driver's seat, her in the passenger seat, driving out in the middle of nowhere, and he's just like, Oh boy, I I love being out here where you can just scream as loud as you want to and nobody could possibly hear you. I just come out here sometimes and drive for hours. Out out where nobody would ever think of looking to find you. And she's like, uh-huh. Shit, I'm about to get raped and murdered by this dude. And she's like She's seen the Sopranos, she knows what happens here. Right. This she knows this is if there was somebody behind her in the seat, she would have been whacked already. Mm-hmm. And she starts to ask, like, hey, how far away is this truck? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just enjoying being out here in all this beautiful, God-kissed country, the kind of place you could just murder someone and dump a body, and no one would 
ever know. Ever. Isolated is, I believe, what they call it. Isolated. Yeah. Oh, that's a good word and a funny word. Isolated. Me- Off the grid. Ha <laughs> 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 Boy, uh, and, and there's some waters that run around here. You could just toss something in there. You'd never find it. Probably wash right out to sea, I tell you. <laughs> and the whole time, she's just white-knuckling this all the way. And finally, you hear this truck honking in the distance. And sure enough, there is a truck filled with party supplies mm-hmm. that is like, hey, we didn't. We thought we'd be out here all day. Thanks for coming to get us. Help us get this unloaded. And Bo is like, that's right. We got a party tonight. Woohoo! <laughs> and you're just like, oh, shit. It, like, th- the show is trying to subvert your expectation by not subverting your expectation. And mm-hmm. uh, But I think this works. I think all this is good stuff. It's, it works because of the acting. Yes. I think the acting's on point. I think the, the storyline itself is schlocky as all get out, but the acting sells it for me. Major bone in this is brilliant. So, so watching it for that. The show then dips into Altered States territory. Mm, nice. Where Chester is given uh, a cup of hallucinogens to drink inside of Circle <laughs> of Candles. And Luz is like, are you sure this is a good idea? Because he's already kind of dumb. Like, do you think this is going to break him? Yeah, and cursed. Do we really want to be playing in the spirit world with a cursed boy? Yeah, and Abuela is like chanting and praying while he's drinking his tea. And Abuela tells him, this is a really good line where she says, like, look for your brother. And she says, rejoice if you do not find him. Grieve. Grieve if you do. A harsh needs vape here. Yeah, he's like, hey, man, I'm just trying to relax a little bit, man. Watch a little TV. I'm feeling woozy. <laughs> hey, is this the point where you're supposed to shrink like this, Doc? Um, <laughs> saw Firestarter recently. That's one of the best lines of that movie. So Chester goes to the point. Uh, in the picture that he has of Jiro, which is a black and white picture of him as a, of Jiro as a child sitting on a swing. And it's kind of a cool effect where it, like he goes into this black and white sepia world. Mm-hmm. And Chester uh, teaches Jiro how to dream of sushi. Um, no, that's not what happens at all. Uh, he instead is talks to this little depressed kid who's like, nobody plays baseball with me, and I suck, and I'm sick all the time. And Chester's like, no, no, I bet you're you're cool, just like me. You and me, I bet we're the same kind of cool. And the kid's like, oh, <laughs> really? Because you kind of suck. And he's like, no, no, no. Here, I'll let's play baseball. And so straight also, out of- Also, my non-mom told me not to play this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was told not to play with strangers, and you're fucking weird. Of course, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, he says like he was really sickly and that he had a twin brother who he went to the hospital, and when he came back, his brother had been adopted. and Which begs the question, like, oh, did Osco just not know about this other kid? Because that it's doesn't so strange. It doesn't make it. None of it makes sense. Because when Yoko was looking after um, Chester on the docks or wherever it was, she only had one baby. So if they're now in the hospital up for adoption, how does that even fucking make sense? Yeah, 
I don't know. Like, doesn't none make of, sense. No, none of it makes sense. This doesn't add up. Like, nobody was asking the tough questions here. Uh, like, <laughs> why? Why did this happen? <laughs> a timeline in the writers' room might have been a good idea. That's right. all we're saying. Yeah, of just something like, hey, why did no one, no one in this entire like this whole show has been about the search for identity and family and things like that, and it never even like. I suppose the fact that she Luz had twins and that's why Yuko was watching over her, but that I again that seems so thin. I mean, why not? Why at that point, especially when uh Asuka came clean about the fact that Yuko was her sister, that would be the exact moment to say, "Oh, and by the way, she had twins just like your wife did." Yeah. Of course, she did. This should have come out episodes ago and I mean the thing is I understand Yuko's motivations I just don't like how the story's progressing I understand that she wants she wants a baby because remember she that was the thing when Chester said that he didn't want to go with her the first thing she tried to do was actually take a living baby yeah um, and fall back and then she realized she couldn't take a, a live child the child has to be dead essentially and in, in order in to her cross into line. the spirit line yeah, yeah. And so, so I understand that motivation. So I understand where the end of this episode goes. If you know what I mean, what they're setting up kind of makes a bit of sense to me. But all this fucking nonsense about twins and all the rest is not necessary at all in this episode. We could remove a Jiro completely out of last episode and this episode, and it does not affect the story at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. So. As he's talking to this little spirit of Jiro, which proves he's dead, like that's the one thing we know, is uh, so they're playing baseball, throwing a baseball back and forth, and you know, Chester's like, throw it like, pretend Lou Gehrig's at the plate and pepper one right in here, kid, and (laughs) whatever, baseball talk, and... Then he gasps in his dream, and then we see him also doing the same thing in real life, and Luz is freaking out because it looks like he's having some kind of seizure or something. And Abuela douses the water, uh, or douses uh, the, the little fire in the middle of the circle, and Chester stirs, but it is Yuko who is speaking. And then we cut back to this picture world where Yuko is now there with Jiro and she tells Jiro that like, Oh, you were hiding from me and I'm going to take you into my garden world. And then she just grabs him and, and goes into the sand, uh, box where she sucks down with Jiro and presumably goes to the garden world, which we'll see here in a little bit. And Mm -hmm. here in my notes, it is the the exact note is if this becomes uh, about Chester saving his ghost brother, they can just stop it. I, yeah, I think, Bo, that's where the show's going. <laughs> it is, and it's stupid. And then it, it's it, so stupid. And Chester then says something that has never come up before and doesn't make any sense, where he's like, "Oh." There's no wind blowing all of a sudden. There's not that creepy breeze that follows me everywhere is gone. That was Jiro all this time, my twin brother, not Yuko. Yeah. So, so silly. So silly. Right, which is stupid. And then 
uh, we see that the picture that he has of Jiro is like back to the future disappearing. <laughs> and it's like, what is even happening on this show? This is so stupid. Yeah. Earth Angel. Earth Angel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, listen to this. It's <laughs> the, the sandbox is a little too much for you, but your kids are going to love it. <laughs> and then Chester tells Luz, like, oh, Yuko took my brother out of this picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This might sound implausible, considering we didn't know about this guy in the last episode, but he's been kidnapped from the picture and taken to a different underworld. Yeah. And she's uh, like, why did I see I do? Right. I just married the dumbest son of a bitch alive. I. <laughs> I for a second I thought he might be like just crazy enough to work kind of stupid, but now mm. I realize he's just stupid, stupid. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, stuck with Julio. Uh, she should have Julio would have given her a decent life and not yeah. curse twin babies. Yeah, Julio Julio's dead brother wouldn't have vanished from a photograph. <laughs> yeah. You are absolutely right. That never would have happened with Julio. Look, as you can see, all of my relatives are still in their photographs. They have not been stolen by a ghost. I've seen Disney's Coco. I know how that works. <laughs> I have not, and I still know how it works. Oh man, you see, don't you? You knowing what you're like, Bo, you will weep like a girl. Oh well, is a, is a big old. Crack to the fuels. I started to get slightly misty eyed. Watch so. Oh, that's high praise. So you'll be howling. You're like, oh, I'm the humanity. That's usually what, what I do when howling? I'm when I'm watching a tearjerker. That's usually my cry. Well, all oh, the humanity. Like somebody went off the top rope. <laughs> yeah, that girl's got a family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that picture's got. Other pictures at home, counting on it. Yeah, like is is, is Gio just disappeared from that photograph or all the photographs? <laughs> right. It's what are the rules here. That is a fine question, Duncan. Uh, <laughs> it is so so dumb, so fucking dumb. It right. It's just one of those things. Like you have been juggling so much so well, and this goes wildly off the rails. Yeah, it's like someone juggling six eggs and then the seventh one gets thrown to them and then and trying to you know, include the seventh egg, like five of them just splat. So you're not only juggling two and it doesn't seem as impressive as it was when you were juggling six. But I've already paid, so I now have to watch. As Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sucks. All right, so, uh, th- so then... Uh, we get to the finer moment in the episode where Amy is rolling up into the big party being thrown at the camp and like mm-hmm. Henry and Oscar are there dancing and Walt's there and she's like, you know, I'm really starting to think that maybe Major Bowen's turned a corner. I really think he's okay now. <laughs> and he's like, really? And she's like, yeah, I mean, I was really worried about this whole party. But then he seemed camera, okay. Camera pans around in the back. In the background bones up there doing the YMCA. Yeah, it. He <laughs> is the conga. Come on. 
Right. He's just like, hey, I decide. Hey, I know that not everybody has gifts, but I thought we'd do a little dirty Santa. So I bought presents for everybody. And uh, I made my mother's own recipe potato salad. And I'll tell you, there's a little bit of bacon in it, but it is delicious. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like everybody's having a good time. And then they have uh, a moment where they talk about their father. Uh, where they're like, oh yeah, dad probably would have hated this. I mean, before he ended up like grabbing a gun and getting shot because of a curse. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I guess he would have. And then Amy has her punch. And then when next we see her, Duncan, she is staggering out of this party, kind of through the, the dirt roads of this internment camp with this half drunk glass of punch in her hand that she finally drops at this point. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there's Major Bowen and he goes, Amy Yoshida. <laughs> I believe you've had too much to drink. Well, I'll be a bare arse boxer. <laughs> well, I'll be punched in the left gonad. Looks like you are a little bit under the weather. A bit in your cups, as they say. I should probably take you to my cellar. Yeah, my, my rape cellar. Um. <laughs> yeah, she. so she comes to, and she is tied to a chair and gagged in some kind of like fruit cellar or something. And Bowen is giving her a speech about discipline. Like, that's what the military taught me, discipline. And trust mm-hmm. taught me to know who I could trust. And you're like, oh, fuck, this ain't going to end well. And then he plays the reel-to-reel tape that she made of him. And there are some lights, like, flickering in the fruit cellar as they're uh, talking and, and Maybe whatnot. one of the single most annoying things in this this particular part of the episode is that the, the lights flicker about four times, and I think every time they flicker, Bowen mentions that the light has flickered. Yeah. Like, for, like I, 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 we get it, right? You've acknowledged it. You know, goddamn cursed place with the lights, power grid, power grid. Listen, I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a good character and a good actor. Give him some good lines. Yeah, he certainly does what he can with this. And mm-hmm. he, <laughs> there's a great moment where he he says, like, well, you know, I got a buddy who intercepted this letter. And he understood loyalty and what it means to trust. And so he gave me a jingle jangle instead of pushing this up the ladder and uh he's like so if i take off your gag can you promise me that you're not going to scream and we can talk in a level-headed way about our current situation and she kind of gives him a nod but he says and the future yes as well which i kind of love because he's like he's he's making the play here he's like what he's insinuating is if you give yourself to me you know we'll call it quits right you can watch yeah, you yeah. can walk out of here alive. Yeah, and she nods, and he's literally just taking the gag out of her mouth. And she's like, ah, yeah, he's like, oh, God damn. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, he's immediately like, oh, shit. <laughs> See, this is what I was talking about with all that trust shit. Bit me right in the ass. <laughs> like that. <laughs> like my, my small pet rattlesnake. <laughs> Toothy, that's what we called him. I was gonna call him Radley, but that seemed too on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> and 
He, but he tells her, he's like, we're underground in block 36. The whole party is across camp. You can scream all you want to. No one's going to hear you. That is a line. He actually says mm-hmm. that cliched line and, and somehow oh, yeah. pulls it off. Yeah, yeah, and then somehow in between saying that, comments and the lights are flickering again. <laughs> yes. Uh, so he's getting in her face and he's like, all right, you know, so you you push me to this, Amy. Like, you and your people. I really liked you. And then she spits on him. And then he breaks her thumb to start with. Yes. <laughs> that's the that's the opening gambit, Bo. Right. Thumb break. So we we leave them in the cellar at the point of the thumb break to go to lose a Chester and Abuela in her living room in New Mexico. And Luz is like, hey man, why didn't you tell me about your ghost mother? <laughs> and Chester's like, we were on a break. I mean, it just didn't seem like it was the right time. <laughs> we were on a break. <laughs> yeah. And then she says, do you think your ghost mother killed my father? And he's like, maybe. He is literally, he's, he's literally, maybe. He is. He's like, I, it's possible. I don't know. It's I mean, possible as he's lying. It is possible as he's lying. Your fucking new wife. The, the mother of your two dead children, all she's looking for is a little a glimmer of hope here. A little glimmer of hope. And the best that you can do when she looks you in the face and says, do you think my dad is dead? He says, possibly. Chester, you are a fuck nugget of the highest order. Yeah, he he is a total piece of shit in this. Uh, uh, not only... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe maybe Scotland my mom Scotland would call him a fud. A fud? Yeah. <laughs> it's slang for vagina. Oh, all right. That works. Um, So then Chester finds a picture of like Donna Maria and her face is all blurred out. And he's like, aha, see, she was a Yuri. It's like no fucking shit. man. She was a Yuri along. Right. So he goes, they're like, well, we haven't seen her in a couple of days. So he goes to her place where he finds uh, both a table filled with rotting fruit and food. And also her dead in, in a chair with a baby onesie. Mm-hmm. And Chester returns to the house uh, to tell, like, <laughs> Luz and Abuela in his smooth way, hey, Donna Maria, that lifelong friend of yours, she's fucking dead. And guess what? <laughs> she was making this. And this is where Luz is like, you know what? I thought that that twin reveal was pretty stupid. <laughs> but hold my beer one second. Hold my beer. <laughs> Guess what, TV audience? Not only did we uh, get married, surprisingly, in this episode, I'm also pregnant again after a couple of <gasps> nights of fucking. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, oh, your mother isn't after you. She's after me and my new baby. That I'm just now telling you about. And you're just like, ugh, okay. So it is the plot of the first part of the season, except there's just one baby, except there's probably two again. Probably. All right. All right. But that's all we got to deal with Luz and Chester for this episode. So let's get back to Amy and Bowen. 
and where Amy, this is my favorite line of the whole episode. I got to admit where Amy is telling major Bowen, like, Hey, people are going to be looking for me pretty soon. And he says, well, I'm sure in a few days they'll find you. It's like, Oh, Oh, yeah, that's real good. And then Amy, after she's been bummed and air oblivion. <laughs> yeah. And Amy says, Oh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call the Yure. You've seen her, haven't you? And this kind of rattles him where he's like, what do you know about this? <laughs> and the whole time she is, because her thumb is broken, she is able to kind of weasel her hand free. Uh, mm-hmm. From the ropes that she's tied in because her thumb is not holding that hand in place anymore. <laughs> and so she is freeing herself as she is getting him all worked up about how, like, oh, the Yure likes uh, isolated places and, you know, hidden pockets that uh, nobody else knows about. And she's coming. She'll she'll come for me. And he's like, uh, you stop that. Stop talking about the ghost. And then the lights go out for a second, and when they come back up, Amy is is gone. Like, it's just... Vanished. Right. There is no chair. There is only the rope that her hands were tied in. And he's like, what the? Did did the ghost get her? Mm Mm-hmm. And she... He turns around to the stairs, and in so doing, finds Amy Yoshida mid-swing as she brains him in the skull with a fucking chair. Yep. And then hits him with the parts of the chair after it breaks until he's on the ground. And then once he's on the ground, he uh, she shoves his face in some a puddle of water until he is fucking dead. Yeah, <laughs> Bowen is gone. Yeah. And I my note here is good for Amy. It should have been more violent. Yeah. Also, 50% of why Duncan likes this show is now gone. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, it was satisfying. Like, all that Amy Yoshida and Major Bowen stuff has been building. And, like, this was a good payoff to the point where Amy can't take it anymore. And she is the one who straight up murders this dude. Mm -hmm. And then the final moment of episode uh, 8 of the Terror Infamy is we see Jiro, the twin, waking up in the garden world that we saw with Chirio and Yuko. And it's Yuko in the Chirio role where she is like making him tea. And she's like, soon we're all going to be together. And we see that there's a little crib in the foreground, presumably there to uh, house the baby that is currently in Luz's belly. Mm-hmm. But I'm... Okay, Here's my question, Duncan. <laughs> she seemed content to have Taizo. Yep. But then she doesn't get Taizo. She instead gets Jiro, the kid that she forgot about. So she should be happy is what you're saying? Yeah. Like, why isn't she like, okay, well, when he dies, I'll bring him here too. Yep. But I, now I have the child that I've been hunting so desperately for. Mm-hmm. Or, or if she has to have her kids, why isn't it Taizo and not the baby of Taizo and Luz, who is not her direct blood relative, not in the way that, that Taizo is? Yeah, all of that is, right, it makes no fucking sense at all. Yeah, I, I did, I enjoyed parts of these episodes. The stuff with uh, Amy Yoshida and Major Bowen was always fun because it was kind of this 
not so clever cat and mouse where it's just like, I am being way too nice. Eventually this will come back and bite you in the ass. Um, <laughs> but it was Although par- party born something to behold. Yes, it, it, but it was fun. It was something that I was actually enjoying watching and all the Chester stuff. I just find him so tiresome. I could not care at all about it. I, I, I mean, he'd be could be primarily him now, and I could not care less about it at all. I, I find him the most banal character. I the banal central character that I can imagine I've seen in a TV show recently. I can't think of anything. He is he is our Taylor Kitsch of this season. He, yes, he's really bad. Yes, he he's just like it's just not. There's nothing that makes me empathize, sympathize, or gravitate towards him at all as a lead. Yeah, he just sucks, cover to cover, <laughs> front to back. Like we've always sort of toyed with. Oh, he, you know, he's not that great a character. He's kind of sometimes he's kind of annoying and that kind of thing. He just straight up sucks in this the, this pair of episodes, and I think a lot of it. In fairness, it's just the writing. It is putting Chester in a place where there's this crazy reveal that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, it just gets dumber um, the more that I think about it and becomes less uh, sort of in sync with what this show has been so far. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, man, I, I think it's a real bummer. I think it's a real step backwards for... A show that has been, you know, not 100% consistent, but certainly way better than this. Well, if we look at it this way, on the first six episodes, I thought three were okay and loved three. Now at the end of this, I love three and five are okay. So that's, you know, that's that's the ratio now. So uh, yeah, there's, there's cool ideas. The stuff with the photograph was cool. All that stuff, when they really lean into the J-horror aspect, they have my attention. I think they do cool things with it. But it's almost as if they are trying to throw as much story in here. It's like, they've, I think you said something earlier, which I think was right, where it kind of feels like you could wrap this up in six episodes. Like the full thing. And forgo this. But it's like they got to a certain point and they were like, right, we need to write another half a series. So we'll just replay it again. And I, like make it dumber. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not feeling... I'm interested to see where it finishes up in the next episode with the last two, but I am not going in thinking this is going to finish strong. I don't think it will. Yeah, I'm almost turning the corner where I just want it to go even worse. You know, like (laughs) if you're going to be kind of dumb, go, you know, go full dumb for, for the final episodes and... I'm not sure that it won't. I mean, all this stuff with like we are we are gearing up for some showdown between you know Taizo or Chester and and Yuko, and I just think that it's going to be stupid in a way yeah. that could be at least entertaining because um, it certainly yeah I I mean I found it to be a, a bit of a betrayal. I really feel yeah. like I I. I was in for a show that I was having a good time with, if it, even if it was imperfect. And then it just like the the this this pair of episodes and the writing in it 
seems both <laughs> a combination of obvious and unfortunate. Yes. And it's a real bummer, man. I don't mm. I, I don't like not enjoying the terror and I did not enjoy the terror. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, man. Uh, uh, like you said, you joked before we started recording that contentious, and I told you, uh, I think we're on point with us. I think that we are both of us at the same point watching us was just like, oh no, don't do that. Oh, you're doing that. Oh, that's and it feels unfortunate, <laughs> like because the I was on a high um, of after episode six, which I thought was a really interesting, really unique bit of TV discussing the afterlife, purgatory, you know, all these things that I thought were really cool concepts done really well. And then you watch these two episodes and it's difficult to compute that they're, they're the same TV show. Yeah. So, it's, I don't know. I don't know. We will find out, though. We have two episodes left. Um, and one week uh, we will conclude this this thing. Bang. Yeah, one way or the other, we are going to... Uh... We are going to know how this ends. And so, uh, Duncan. Yes. As we bring this episode in for a landing, um, where can the good people listening find more out of you uh, should they, in fact, want such a thing? If they do want such a thing, they can check me out on the podcast under the stairs, tputzcast.com. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast or search podcast under the stairs, iTunes, Stitcher, Smart Radio, uh, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, all your usual podcatchers. You can check me out there doing a ton of stuff in December. I think it's 16 recorded episodes over 24 days. So a lot of stuff out there. And one of those will be a Terry Gillingham roundtable with myself and the phenomenal Bo. So, yes, I'm very excited about uh, about that show. Um, yeah, so if you want to hear more out of me, you can head over to legionpodcasts.com where you can hear, uh, not only this show, but stuff like, uh, Pick Six Movies and Hero Hero Go Show and Legion Inc., uh, which is all about comic books with, uh, my friend Chase and Gray. And, uh, yeah, uh, as well as a number of other shows that have nothing to do with me that, uh, you will enjoy for entirely different reasons, but you will enjoy them equally, I dare say. So, uh, until then... Uh, We will be back uh, in one week to discuss the final episodes of this season of The Terror, subtitled Infamy. And uh, until next week, Duncan, say goodnight, Duncan. (laughs) Goodnight, Duncan. It's more for me than you this time. (laughs) A doll that other fellows cannot steal. And then the flirty, flirty guys... With their flirty, flirty eyes We'll have to flirt with dollies That are real When I come home at night She will be waiting She'll be the truest doll In all this world I'd rather have a paper doll To call my own then have a fickle-minded real-life girl I guess I had a million dolls or more I guess I've played the dog game for and all I just quarreled with Sue That's why I'm blue 
She's gone away and left me just like all dolls do. I'll tell you boys it's tough to be alone. And it's tough to love a doll that's not your own. I'm through with all of them. I'll never fall again. Say boy, what you gonna do? I'm gonna buy a paper doll that I can call my own. A doll that other fellows cannot steal. And then the flirty, flirty guys with their flirty, flirty eyes will have to flirt with dollies that are real. When I come home at night, she will be waiting. She'll be the truest doll in all this world. I'd rather have a paper doll to call my own than have a big gold-minded real love girl.